Blog Talk Radio. This is Cale Brown. Now, I didn't play a doctor on TV, but I will prescribe Brandon's Buzz for absolutely anybody who wants to know what's really going on. Hey, guys, this is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. This is Taylor Dane, and you are listening to the one and only Brandon Buzz. Hi, this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. This is Linda Dano. I'm on Brandon's Buzz, and I have to tell you, what a fun hour I just had. Ah. This is a great kid with a wonderful heart and soul. You listen every day. I know I will. Hey, hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you are checking out Brandon's Buzz right now. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big. I'm live and kicking on Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Dave Primero, and you're going to love buzzing with Brandon's Buzz. Hey guys, welcome back to Brandon's Buzz. I am Brandon, thrilled as always to be back with you here and begging your forgiveness on this one because I'm a tad bit tardy as things have been a little bit hairy with me lately on a personal level. And even though we taped the conversation you're about to hear a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago by now, in fact, uh, I just haven't had time to give it uh, the proper attention it has deserved before now. But four years ago, when this show was in its very early days, in its infancy, in fact, uh, the magnificent Joan Van Ark popped in here as my seventh guest for a quick chat. And when I heard through the grapevine that she had been tapped for a guest shot to reprise the role of poor Val Ewing on TNT's brilliant reboot of the classic nighttime soap Dallas, I reached out and just plain begged her to come on back and give us a sneak peek at the finished product. The episode of Dallas featuring Van Ark, not to mention her old screen partner, Ted Shackelford, premiered last month on TNT, uh, but is still playing in reruns, I'm sure, and is still available on demand uh, and on TNT.com, Hulu, iTunes, any one of a hundred other online video portals. So even though its television premiere has passed, uh, you still have many chances to catch up with it in other forms, and I... I uh, uh, you know, I, I urge you to do so. It's well worth the toil. Even though Joan only had a couple of scenes in the episode, it was a rare and genuine treat to see Valine in action all over again. And I can't tell you how much I enjoyed sitting down with Van Ark to gab about the old glory days of Dallas and Knott's Landing and to marvel at how three and a half decades can fly by fly in a blink. Seven come eleven. This yes. is good. <laughs> yes, ma'am. This is really, really good. Well, I tell you, don't uh, don't let me make you feel old here, but this year marks 20 years since Knott's Landing left the air and 35 since that Southern Spitfire Valley and Ewing first entered your life. I mean, does that, does that, that even right? impossible for you to fathom? I mean, does it feel like so many years should have passed already? Not at all, but that's really something. So, wait a minute, 20 years for Knott's. So Knott's went off in 93. Right. And you joined Dallas in 78, in the fall of 78. So I remember it was 78 because then we did the uh, pilot for Knott's in 79. Sure. Because it was the same year I ran the Boston Marathon. And I have a sticker or the thing, the number that you wear when you run Boston. Unbelievable. No, it doesn't feel like that much time, but maybe that explains a lot of things. <laughs> you know, that might have something to do with the backfire I'm experiencing. Unbelievable. Wow. But how about this? With that 35-year gap, here we are 
they've done an amazing reboot on an iconic show that had its own aura, and they are recreating it and doing so very successfully. So my and, hat is and off. so so brilliantly cross generational. I mean, it's it's just amazing. That's how what I love. Yeah. It's the cross generational. That's the gold for my money. I know they have taken the ecology thing and the, you know, old oil drilling versus the new kind of methane, this, that, and the other. I can almost not follow. There's all those, uh, you know, it's the ecology argument, and then who's got the rights to this, and would Gary please block the votes for this, and I've got the rights to the underground, and I've got the rights to the overground, and I I don't follow. I can't (laughs) keep up with that. But what they've done with the cross-generational is delicious. It's a thrill for the audience. And it's kind of a hoot for the actors, I think. And, you know, the great thing is they didn't just bring back Patrick and Larry and Linda and, and everybody and just, you know, stick them in a corner for a scene. I mean, it's really brilliantly no, it's, woven together. It's all exactly correct. Yeah. It's a great piece of fabric. And they've done my hats off to Cynthia and to Mike Robin. I think they've just uh, kudos to them. So talk to me about reprising the role of Valine. I mean, was this just an immediate yes for you? Yes, of course that, but what comes with that as an actress is the responsibility to deliver that lady, you know, what now you're saying 35 years down the line. (laughs) No, seriously, and so it's like, wow, because I know how I want Joan Van Ark to come off, and that may not be, you know, the best, whatever that is. But I do owe Valine, whom I did love and do love and respect, actually, because she was a part of my life, but I do owe her. And all three of my fans, or you know, Valine's fans, um, no, you know, no, I, no, 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 no. But I mean, I owe something there, and I really, it had me pondering. First of all, how they would write her, and how they would visualize her, and how I would deliver her. So it was a mixed bag, a bit, to be really, really honest, but one that I was, you know, honored to be a part of. And how did this all come about? Did Cynthia reach out to you personally, or did it was it an agent thing? I mean, was it? It was to my manager. I don't know who called, but it was uh, a manager. I have, in fact, met Cynthia a couple times. At, uh, sadly enough, one of the times was uh, Larry's memorial. Oh, God, that's a whole other discussion. But sure. uh, I met her at a uh, television event, a really huge gala that Warner Brothers threw last April for 60 years of Warner Brothers television, which is really a significant chunk of iconic television, which includes Friends and Dallas and Knott's Landing, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And they have an exhibit at the Paley Museum of Broadcasting in Beverly Hills out here in California. And what I love is they've got the three dummies, sort of a mock-up of Joan, Donna, and Michelle Absolutely. in wardrobe from Knott's Landing. And I always you know, I, I saw all you three on the talk a few weeks ago, and, and oh, they, right, were, right, they right. basically did a facsimile of this. That's it. That's yeah. what they did. They brought the Paley dummies to stand with the other three dummies, and I think they got photos that day because I was sent some photos from the talk. That was really something. They devoted three incredible segments to knots and that's quite a tribute and i'm very very happy and grateful and you could tell how much they loved the show or when it you know when it was a real i mean especially cheryl underwood she was crazy for you guys crazy and loving and you know details i mean she was a true fan sure you know that's like when i met magic johnson he was telling me things (laughs) i'm serious he was telling me things about valine and the reunion with the twins that even I, who acted it at the moment, had forgotten. He was oh, giving fantastic. me. It was. It was amazing. <laughs> so I was completely stoked to hear all that love come from the talk and from Magic. Sure. So had you been watching this new Dallas? I have watched the full 
first season to homework what I would do and the two-hour opener. And I saw last Mondays, a few days ago, because that was Ted's first appearance. Sure, yeah. So I wanted to see. So I've seen three episodes of the new season and everything from last season. Okay. Tell me your – just give me your general thoughts about how – I mean, we've already talked about it a little bit, but in terms of how they've reimagined some of these older characters, just give me your general thoughts on well, the show. Well, you know what I think they've done? They've penciled in, but they've let the actors, in the case certainly of Larry, Linda, and Patrick, they kept the integrity and they, they didn't violate or camp up or do anything except sketch and let the actors contribute. And then when you see someone like Ken Kershaw come back, he brings to the table where Ken is right now, and that's glorious. It's just like what I think Larry did so brilliantly last year. I hope and wish he gets nominated for an Emmy because Larry's work as J.R. last year, last the first season, was scary. Scary, wonderful. Warm, varied, dangerous, and really kind of out there and freewheeling because it almost felt to me like from actor to actor that he thought, what have I got to lose? Let's just let it all, Absolutely. you know, let's let it all fly. And I think he did, and I loved what I saw. I think it, they you know, it, it almost felt as though he was ad-libbing some of that stuff, like it was just coming well, right sure, off the top of his head. I'm sure that, in fact, some of it was. I did an ad-lib in the scene I did, and I know they won't leave it in, but I so wish they would, <laughs> and I can't talk about it because I was sworn by TNT. They told my manager she cannot talk about the storyline in any way, shape, or form. Oh, my goodness. So and here I was going to try to drag some of it out of you. I know, and everybody <laughs> does, and it's tricky, and so much of it has leaked anyway. I mean, they all know now that Gary and Val are broken up. Sure. But what got me kind of about that is it says Val couldn't take it. Gary said in Monday Night Show, I fell off the wagon, and Val couldn't take it. Valine would get it together and get him together, I think. I mean, she'd kick butt. Especially him. at this point in their lives. Of course. After all they've gone through. Absolutely. So, I don't know. But the minute I read that line, I thought, whoops. She's a fighter in her own kind of crazy way. She has spirit, and that's what I loved about her was her spirit. You know, I, I get the sense just from other interviews that you've done recently that, uh, you know, not that you were necessarily obsessing over it, but that you were very excited by the possibility of stepping back into those shoes again, and that it meant a hell of a lot to you personally to, uh, you know, be invited back to the sandbox to play with these guys again. Exactly correct, exactly. Because, in fact, Dallas is television history. It's an iconic show. It was the beginning of Knott's Landing, really, because without Gary and Val, you had no spinoff. You know, she was a gift. Patrick has said in interviews, and it's true of his character, all the characters David created are the gifts that keep on giving. Sure. And they're all, Sue Ellen's a magnificent character, J.R. is, was, Patrick, Ted, me, Abby. David has always said Karen Fairgate, which was Michelle Lee, was his alter ego. So, you know, these are very important special characters that, God bless them, those producers and writers, gave to us and let us collaborate in creating. And that's what's the joy and fun of going to work, when you have a character that you have spun your own DNA into in some creative way. And so it's uh, it's a gift. You know, you're an actress with a very specific process, I know that. And, 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 you know, even if your scenes on this new show aren't necessarily meeting monologues, was it easy to find Valine again after all this time? Well, 
well, I shouldn't probably say, but Ted was part of it. That was like we never missed a beat. Because I think Ted and I, there's some sort of, I don't know, I think we're related because my relatives <laughs> from, no, wait, but this is, Shackelford, I'm about to do an A&E biography thing that Shackelford is in my family tree, spelled exactly that way. And Ted's family, he has told me, is Kansas City and Oklahoma, which is sort of the belt where Missouri, in, in that area, there's a show that traces your genealogy or something. I'm primarily Dutch, but I have got to find on the English side, which is my mother's side. My father was Dutch. My mother's English. I swear to God, I bet we're related, <laughs> which would really be film at 11. Talk about a, a scoop. But anyway, Ted and I are joined at the hip. So. But, you know, I mean, regardless of, of any relation, there is a, cer- a certain, a very specific kind of magical alchemy between you two. No question about it. Well, I don't know. You're a viewer, so I'll take it from you more than me saying that. I've been doing a bunch of interviews, yes. And the thing is, one of the people said, and this was really something that sunk in, because I never know whether to believe anybody's compliment or not. And I consider this a compliment. No, because people bullshit and blow smoke, you know where. (laughs) But he said, next to Linda Gray, Sue Ellen, he felt that J.R. and Valine had a kind of spark or spunk. And I thought, wow, that's kind of interesting, because we did share way early on a lot of stuff together, because we were fighting over Gary. J.R. always felt that Valine was trailer trash and not good enough for his family and should not even be there. And we had lots of set-twos, which were divine to be given as an actress to play opposite the one and only Larry Hagman and do those scenes. So that was another gift. But I loved that somebody might have caught or felt that. I thought, that's gorgeous. I didn't push back on it. (laughs) Tried to be a grown-up and say thank you. <laughs> but, you know, you and Larry were so fabulous at conveying those intense emotions toward each other, you know, that, that richly twisted hatred that you had for each other. And, and uh, you know, I understand that you aren't a part of the J.R.'s funeral episode, which airs next week, but that you were down there while they were filming those scenes. And, you know, that must have been quite a remarkable uh, experience for you as an actress, even if you weren't participating on camera. To see it, the visual, because they drove me out to South Fork the day before I started filming. They wanted me to do a fitting, and they were all out there, so I had to do the fitting 45 minutes to an hour out of Dallas. And I thought, oh, my God. And then I was told that they are filming the burial scene. Because he's being buried next to... Miss Ellie. Yes, Miss Ellie. And I just, I was out there and saw it, and it just, fasten your seatbelts, because it's the next iconic piece of television after the Who Shot JR. It's going to be spectacular. And... As much as it broke my actress's heart not to be a part of it, I was filled with emotion to see it. And to see the people that were sitting there in a row, all dressed in black. I mean, Ted came to give me a hug, and Patrick and Linda, and they all came up to me, and it was like, I'll tell you that I think Offset, off-camera, was far deeper, richer, more emotional, pick your words, than what I was going to hopefully deliver or will be delivering on camera because it's just loaded the richness of the years and years of that and South Fork itself. One thing that really got me was J.R. Ewing on his trailer, which they've left, right in the spot where it was. So that's Larry Hagman's trailer. And number one on the call sheet is Larry Hagman. And I think it's supposed to stay there for the duration, however long that is. Sure. So that was quite a – that had impact. You know, they've done such a brilliant job of, of establishing this younger generation of characters, but, you know, I, I, I worry that there's going to be a hole in the center of that series the way there was in Knott's Landing when you were gone that final season. It's going to be interesting because I think they're going to have to find 
a supervillain, and they're playing around with seeing who evolves or steps up to the mark. Sure. I don't know. That's a that's of course everyone's obvious not concern, but it's such a white elephant there of what it will mean because it is fantastic the cross generational thing, but the captain of the ship Make no doubt about it. It's no longer there. So it'll be very, very interesting to see how it plays out. But they are so inventive, and I guess I'm going to tribute Cynthia on this. They will weave something in there that might surprise all of us and be interesting. But without Larry, I must say, if you've been watching, have you watched all this season? I certainly have, yes. Has he been in it much this year? or You know what? He hasn't been. He's had uh, one or two scenes each episode. I mean, it's been... It's been markedly uh, uh, decreased Less. from season one, which That's I guess is I, owing to the fact that he was ill, you know, prior to his death, and and uh, you know they right. kind of worked around it the best they could. What did you think of how they handled the phone call in this one that was on Monday night? You know what? I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I mean, it was. It I know, was, uh, I know. And you're my son from tip to tail. And you know, Aww. I understand. I understand that that was a leftover scene from from uh, the first season, and. You know the way they the way they brilliantly cross cut it between John Ross's side of the conversation and Jr's. It was just uh, oh you, my just god, was that from the first uh, season? I, that's my understanding. I, I could have that wrong, but I know that. No, you could have it because somebody told me yesterday they thought they cobbled something yeah. from another thing, and I thought it was he was so present. That profile shot of Larry saying that you're my son from tip to toe, which are the last words that. J.R. says to John Ross Jr. That's cool. And, and you know, uh, when you remember the original series and how badly J.R. wanted Jock's love, you know, it, it completely uh, mirrors all of that. Yes, 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 yes. See, that's what I'm talking about of the integrity and the richness and the tradition of the first show when it was at its best. That's what I really say, wow, to Cynthia Cedra and whomever else is calling the shots, but I think she's the captain on that. I'm in awe of her respect of the original. And her knowledge of the original. Yes. You know, you you mentioned uh, uh, wondering how the writers were going to find this this new version of Valine. How much information did they give you in advance about what they imagined Val had been up to, and how much... Uh, leeway did they give you in, in, in you know, coming up with, with your own imaginings of, of Val's exploits? No, for the they past one. never gave a word, and I have heard not a word since I did it. That's a first for me. I will just wow. say that's a first. Yeah, wow. <laughs> wow. I was in yesterday to do something that is a little tiny, minute, ever so minute add on. And I wish I could share with you what oh my God. <laughs> what I did as a joke, and I have had second thoughts for the last 24 hours as to whether <laughs> I should have done that. After my episode airs, I can let you in on, I, 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 my manager doesn't even know I've done this. My husband doesn't know I did it. It's just a crazy thing, but I can't say because it oh, might tip off. But You're oh killing my. me. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I shouldn't have even brought it up. But no, I have not heard, and I'll tell you, you know, I can always figure a way out so that I don't completely lose sleep. Sure. <laughs> uh, I do think, yeah, so I'm not upright for six months. But I love that. I mean, a smart actress says, yeah, bring it on. And I'm not sure you're talking to a smart actress. <laughs> That's the debate right now on the table. It Listen, was I, am, I am absolutely certain I'm talking to a smart actress. Absolutely well, certain. you know, when I read it, I thought, oh, my God. But <clears throat> we'll see. I have no idea. 
and unfortunately it was shot at 9 o'clock at night. There are no excuses. <laughs> Kobe Bryant has taught me there are no excuses. You play through the pain. You do it anyway. And he played a winning game with just one arm because someone pulled his shoulder and elbow out of whack during the game. And he played the entire rest of the game with his left hand and still was high scorer and still delivered. So there are no excuses. But we'll just see. Film at 11. <laughs> Is it a true story that, that some three and a half decades ago your husband literally had to convince you to take the role of Valiant in the first place? Absolutely correct, because I was supposed to be in New York doing commercials, and I was already filming something out here, and I don't even remember which episodic something it was. I was wrapping something here. I was due to go back to New York and do two days of Estee Lauder uh, cosmetics commercials, which I did for about 11 or 12 years, almost simultaneous with knots. And uh, he said, you, it's, it looks great. It's wonderful, this, that, and the other. And he talked me into it. And look at that, because 15 wow. years later, and now, what are you saying, 30, some, <laughs> 35 years later, I'm still revisiting her. So I guess I owe him one on that one. <laughs> was yeah, there so. a moment when it dawned on you that, holy God, this is the right call? I think I was moving so fast, I never gave it thought. I might have during the hiatuses. But, you know, once you're on what one wonderful agent out here, television agent, called the hamster wheel. Because <laughs> television is, and more now than ever before, a hamster wheel of rhythm, pedal to the metal. So it all happens at such a breakneck speed sure. because time is money. But I'll tell you something down there. They have assembled an amazing group, what I call the pit crew, which is important to me, the hair and makeup and wardrobe. They are something else. And I've been on a few sets, and this is a really crack team. You know, it, it, it's almost a no-win question, but the longevity of these two fictional worlds of Dallas and Knott's is just staggering to me. I mean, you know, you know the uh, the uh, generations of fans that have been created by the original runs and by reruns and DVD sales and, you know, what have you. I mean, obviously... Right, and it's. I just did an interview, of all things, with Lance Bass. It's radio, serious radio or something, the Howard Stern station, whatever that okay. is. And somebody called in and said, you're on my server page or something? Is, does that make sense? Because technology is not my <laughs> strong suit, as you could maybe imagine. But it's people that followed Knots, especially Knots, because it's not everybody. Dallas had everybody. I couldn't record S.A. Lauder until I told them everything I knew about what was upcoming on <laughs> Dallas. Then we could record. So New Yorkers like Dallas. but And that was even fans, before the Who Shot JR craze. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, no, it was everyone's delicious guilty pleasure, and they loved it. But Knott's has hardcore, loyal, loyal, loyal fans. Not as many, to be sure, but loyal, wonderful people that have no followed question. and care about it. And I get asked all the time, and maybe it was upcoming on your sheet, but, you know, a reboot of doing Knott's again. Of and course, I, yeah. I, just, I think Knott's was the precursor to all the good shows that are on now including Desperate Housewives, which just went off. You know, it was the template for the more realistic, serialized, soap-esque, meaning a continuing story. That's all the best. Homeland, it's all the best shows that are out there now. Sure, you look at The Good Wife, you look at Grey's Anatomy, you look at exactly. Private Practice. I mean, they're all exactly. character-driven, continuing stories. Exactly correct. I think Knott's is too much like what is still out there, whereas Dallas was iconic in the big hair, the big oil wells, the big money, the, <laughs> the big glamour, house. The glamour, the glitz, yes. That's the iconic note for that one. You know, does it, does it, I mean, did it bother you then, does it bother you now that Knott's hardly ever gets the credit it deserves for being such a great, richly layered show? I mean, you know, I know that people like Alan Ball and a couple of others have specifically singled out Knott's as having been inspirational and 
and you know uh a couple of critics that I read periodically mention the show and you know their respect for it but you know by and large it hardly got any Emmy attention it hardly gets mentioned in those lists of the best TV dramas of all time and you know uh, I know yeah. the work is its own reward and that's fine but you know it, it, that's got to bug you a little those kinds of slights and Well stuff. if you were to ask Michelle this she would do 10 minutes about <laughs> yes she would god bless her she would I feel I don't know it is it falls where it falls and it's like if I could think of a you know fantastic smaller movie. I'd almost say Silver Linings Playbook, but that got such play this year, and so rightly so. But it's sort of like one of those small cult, or smaller, let me just say, because it's not small. It's substantial, because some of the great, you know, Halle Berry was on that, Alec Baldwin started there. Of course. There's a lot of amazing actors who filed through the Knott's Landing hair and makeup room. And, you know, you don't run 14 years by accident. No, exactly. So... For those that know it's there, it's mentioned, but you're absolutely right. It didn't get the ink, and it didn't get the attention, and it didn't get the Emmy nods, et cetera, et cetera. And that doesn't bug me, but I see where it could, just because we were the little engine that could, and we just never flagged and just held in there. NCIS, the number one <laughs> show, no Emmy noms there, and, you know, not a lot of ink. It, it's not like Homeland, and, you sure. know, it's... But or these, buzz, these buzzworthy shows, yeah. So it's not flashy, but it was something that's quite special. And maybe somewhere, somehow, it'll have its moment. But I'm certainly proud of what it is and continues to be. And we'll see. Maybe there's, you know, to be continued for its true recognition. You know, I, I love hearing from actors whose work I admire and respect about what work they admire. Tell me the greatest performance you've ever seen, stage, screen, whatever. Just tell me a performance Ooh. that has knocked you over. Ooh, wow. I don't know. I Okay. There's one that's recent that I feel, and I know why, because he's not political. I think Joaquin Phoenix in The Master completely disappeared and went deep for that, and I just thought he was amazing. You know, he doesn't do the parties and the circuit. And sure. He, he the hobnobbing and the schmoozing, yeah. All of it. He stays to himself. But God bless him. He just... He disappeared in that, and he just did brilliant work. It knocked me out. I love what Jennifer Lawrence did in Silver Linings. I just love her anyway because she's so grounded. Oh, God, she's grounded, and she just always lands on her feet, even after tripping up the steps to go, you know, catch her Oscar. She she comes, gets right up there and says, yo, please, you're standing just because you felt sorry for me when I fell. She just owns it. She owns it no matter what. Golly, there's so many. I remember when I was... I want to say growing up, but I was like 18 or 19, and I was doing Barefoot in the Park in London. Marlo Thomas had broken her ankle, and I came in for three weeks or four weeks while she recuperated because I had just done the national tour. And I was over in London, and I saw Sir Laurence Olivier do Othello. And I bought a ticket at the last minute Mm. by myself behind the pillar because it was the only one they had, and I was like peering behind a pillar to see his performance. And I remember thinking, oh, my God. That's a way back early memory, but sure. Joaquin Phoenix in The Master currently, but there's when an actor goes deep and just completely disappears, God, that's thrilling to see. And I get that. I mean, Jim Carrey is, of all people, Jim Carrey has done that with things that he does often where he doesn't have a cell phone, he doesn't have a, you know, iPad and all those toys on a set or anything. He just puts it all away. Sure. 
and goes deep. And I am in awe of an actor whose process is that. And hardly ever gets the respect for for some of the performances. Doesn't get the recognition, yeah. If you look at what he did as Andy Kaufman, if you look at what he did on The Truman Show, I mean, some amazing stuff. Exactly. I love it when someone completely submits and says, this is all that matters right now. I love that. It's such an inspiration. And the other is important, too, because I now know that, you know, social media and the Internet and what you're wearing and who you're wearing on the red carpet and (laughs) being at – no, it's – but I'm serious. It really is – And how many Twitter followers you have and, you know, all that. All of it is very much the current measuring stick for (laughs) do we want to hire her or not. No, truly. And God bless them, I get that because it's a machine now and not necessarily just the work on the set. But in my heart and soul, it's all about what do you see on that box being the TV, that square, that shot, or what's on the screen in the movie theater. That's all that counts. Bottom line. So what's on the horizon for you, my dear? What's coming down the pike? Well, the only thing that's truly upcoming is, other than a couple weeks from now on uh, Dallas, is (laughs) a celebrity judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. (laughs) Are you ready? RuPaul's Drag Race. I can't believe the, what's the word I want, task on that, because it was such a lark. And let me also say, after talking about red carpet hair and makeup, their swag bag. Boy, was I tell you. E- oh, my God. <laughs> for somebody like me, are you, you getting an, a hair you dryer bet. to die for? I had a hairdresser here today, and he said, my God, this is an amazing hair dryer. <laughs> their swag bag is everything that Joan Van Ark, it's Nirvana. Nirvana for me. You know, powders and blushes and brushes and vitamins for hair, nails, and skin. You know, that was the complete package. So that's upcoming. Then I'm going to be uh, filming a couple things, but I never like to talk about them unless they are, you know, but uh, upcoming. But I think the next thing you can look for other than Dallas is RuPaul's Drag Race (laughs) Celebrity Judge. I tell you what, I watched Not Landing at My Grandmother's Knee and, and the work that you and Michelle and Ted and Donna and all of you guys, Bill Devane and all you people, did back then you know you touched you impacted tens of millions of lives mine included and i just i tell you i can't wait to see valley in action again and and uh i just want you to know how much i admire you and respect you and i can't tell you what a thrill this real conversation with you has been and there you have it guys the incredible joan van ark it was such a great thrill to speak with her again and i thank you all so much for listening before i wrap this up we taped this a couple of weeks ago, uh, a few weeks ago now, as I as I indicated in the intro, and I intended to have it posted prior to the premiere of Jones' episode of Dallas. But since the episode has already aired, I thought it might be fun to uh, find out the end result of one of this conversation's dangling threads, as it were. You'll recall Joan earlier in this conversation you just heard talking about tossing in an impromptu ad-lib during one of her scenes in the episode of Dallas that just aired. And as we were saying our goodbyes off-air, she reiterated to me that she was hoping against hope that they would keep it in. So I watched the episode and Joan's scenes therein very carefully, and there was a moment during the show when Joan, as Val, storms into Sue Ellen's office and begins their confrontation with the line of dialogue, once a bitch, always a bitch. I had thought that maybe that was the ad-lib to which Joan had been referring, so I reached out to her for confirmation, and she reported the following back to me. The once a bitch line was not an ad lib. That was always in the script and a very tough line to deliver to Beautiful and Gray. My ad lib was on my exit. Under my breath, uh, I muttered the words tiny office regarding Sue tiny space. I haven't seen the episode. I doubt it was in. I loved it as an exit zinger. 
Uh, that's what Joan Van Ark says. Of course, uh, if you've seen the episode already, you know that it didn't stay in. So, uh, But there you have it, mystery solved. And many thanks once again to the unspeakably fabulous Joan Van Ark for gracing these hallowed halls one more time. And to you, of course, for listening. If you're listening, you know, of course, how to find the show, clearly. But in case you don't, three places online. Blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. Truly is home base for this show. It's mission control for Brandon's Buzz, all things Brandon's Buzz. From there, you can see what's coming on the show, what is on the show, what has been on the show. You can also send uh, emails. You can leave comments. It truly is home base for Brandon's Buzz. Again, it's blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. You can also find me at my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. There at the top of any page is a blue button marked radio. Clicking that takes you to a full radio archive of every episode of Brandon's Buzz. This is episode number 90, oh my good lord, 92. This and all previous 91 episodes, all available in the radio archive at brandonsbuzz.com. You can also find me on iTunes, guys. I'm on iTunes. Just type Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box. Scroll down to the podcast section. Click on my logo. From there, you can uh, download individual old episodes uh, as podcasts for playback on the device of your choosing, or you can subscribe to the show and have new episodes automatically download to your library the minute they show up in the music store. So I'm all over the place. I'm on iTunes. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Google the words Brandon's Buzz in succession, and I promise you something will pop up that points you in my direction. And as always, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys coming in my direction. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys listening to me, finding me, and I hope you continue finding and listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi, everybody out there. This is Eileen Kristen, and I have just been on Brandon's Buzz. This is a great show and a very sophisticated mind. So spread the word, Brandon's Buzz. This is Claire Massey from Tammy Show, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Great guy, great show. Check it out. Hey, guys, this is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Oh, if you feel that you just can't take it, and your world isn't what it seems, don't forget that life can be what you make it. Better when you live on a street of dreams. Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're with Brandon Buzz, the place to be. Hi, everybody. This is Nicholas Walker. Merci à vous tous. Écoutez Brandon Buzz sur Blog Talk Radio. Bonsoir et à très bientôt. <laughs> <laughs> 